Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference is coming to Dallas, Texas, February 16, 17, and 18 in 2018. If you know of a better way to get the latest insider knowledge about crypto, to hear directly from the top minds in this field, to interact personally with 800 fellow crypto lovers, hodlers, investors, miners, traders, developers, and founders, then I'd like to hear about it. If you don't, then you don't want to miss out. Register today for the Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference. Go to BitcoinSuperConference.com and register today as a super early bird to get the lowest rates on tickets and hotel rooms. That's BitcoinSuperConference.com. Welcome to Almost Here, Round the Corner of Future Technology podcast with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used. We're just around the corner from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with Future Tech Podcast. My guest today has a great accent, a nice guy named Ian Smith, CEO of Gospel Tech. Ian, how are you? Very well, thank you. Very well. And uh, thank yeah. you for uh, taking the time and, uh, and getting me on. No problem. Well, tell us, there's, you know, we always start out with the basics. Tell me about Gospel Tech. What does it do and what's it about? Tell me about Gospel Tech. You know, what is, what's the mission of it and what do you guys do? Yeah, so, so basically my uh, experience has kind of been in uh, enterprise technology around data and uh, kind of <clears throat> founded uh, Gospel just over, you know, back uh, in 2016 uh, with a view to bring, you know, a platform to enterprise to be able to provide, you know, highly secure uh, and trusted transactions for distributed data. So Gospel is really the practical application of blockchain to, you know, r- radically change the business's ability to distribute and, and interact with uh, content in these kind of new distributed architectures, whether that's cloud or Internet of Things or uh, collaboration with other businesses. Uh, you know, Gospel's been built uh, to uh, support uh, and enable trusted transactions in those new distributed models. So what's an example of um, transactions that are having problems for lack of trust or need a, a trusted method in order to communicate back and forth? Yeah, sure. I think well, I think if you kind of look what's happening at the moment, we're seeing these like you know large scale bulk data breaches. We're seeing uh, businesses uh, under threat uh, from you know all sorts of different kind of cyber activity. Kind of of news items uh, are almost a function of legacy a legacy architecture. You know these enterprise businesses have effectively over the last twenty years built. Uh, perimeterized and siloed environments, uh, you know, with virtual and physical walls, encapsulating their, you know, IT assets. Those assets running the services mm. that these businesses have been built on, right? And you know, over the last, you know, uh, several generations of technology, that's served them very well. However, what we've started to see in the last kind of, you know, ten years is this increased. Uh, concept of shadow IT is as people kind of start to work around uh, the limitations of those siloed architectures. So whether it be you know uh, emailing uh, structured data, whether it be using you know commercial or consumer cloud storage technology, whether it be human interaction to kind of plug systems together, uh, we see see this behavior that's that's there to get stuff done, 
but uh, you know, is outside of traditional governance. And from those behaviors, we start to see uh, you know, a huge scale data leakage and breach. So whether it be a you know a, an example of somebody emailing you know uh, yeah, office data or, or spreadsheet data uh, through to systems you know not interacting at a secure data level uh, the the huge risks for businesses and what it's tend to do is slow them down in terms of transactions slow them down in terms of managing this kind of risk uh, and and that just allows these new digital businesses and cloud era businesses to disrupt that whole enterprise space. So I think that because data is the fuel of all of these like new distributed architectures without the ability to trust in that content and trust in the actors around the content, everything just slows down and becomes very manual. So it sounds like data is vulnerable much more so when it's in transit versus sitting somewhere or is that, is that not even the case? Distributed networks are so important. I think it's interesting. I think that the, you know, traditionally it was seen that the transit phase of data, actually the sharing process was at risk. And that's totally true. Uh, and there has been, you know, encryption technologies and point-to-point encryption technologies have kind of been put in place to secure that. But what we've seen over time is that type of technology tends to degrade uh, and kind of become a, a, a limiting factor. And also we see as much as side of, uh, you know, in terms of data threat, the insider threat, as much as the external threat uh, within, even within the traditional perimeter. So, you know, when you look at the whole, you know, just you know, look at the news articles going on at the moment, this kind of hub spoke patching kind of methodology just clearly isn't working. Uh, and, you know, I think that it's an interesting point about transit versus, you know, static location, just general storage. It's it's all at risk if it sits in an environment that isn't conducive to what that data is now needed for. And I think that that's why uh, gospel and distributed solutions are going to become much more prevalent as we move into these highly distributed models uh, where data is kind of outside of the traditional data center. So what's um, an example of... um the environment you set up for a customer, you know, maybe without giving away something proprietary, but how do you accomplish this? Yeah, well, okay. So imagine, imagine uh, some of our customers do a huge amount of kind of R&D. Let's just, let's just take a really simple example of kind of research and development where, you know, businesses are collaborating on a single solution. So say there could be, you know, uh, transportation or manufacturing, and there's lots of different components uh, kind of geographically dispersed who are all kind of working on data sets or who are collaborating on data sets and they're kind of working together. Now, currently, uh, you know, that usually means there's different silos, different storage platforms, and the interaction between those businesses can be highly manual. So we kind of see, you know, the, the lack of trust in digital transmission of data. We see, uh, you know, a lot of email being used for structured data, even like traditional methods like memory sticks and, and you know, people traveling to different locations because, you know, that, that the R&D data in itself is the, uh, you know, highly valuable intellectual property of these organizations. And even when the data is actually being consumed and used between these organizations, in, in a lot of contemporary business relationships, there are elements of competitiveness as well. So there's a, a lack of need to expose your core IP even to people you're working with on a particular project. So there's a whole set of kind of trust issues uh, around, you know, the, how that data is used and consumed, how it, how it may be used or stored in future. And 
you know, the traditional methods of kind of this prescriptive data sharing, which is maybe, you know, once it's kind of sent, you've sent a bulk data set, which may only a small amount needs to be used, but once it's out, it's kind of lost. Uh, you know, there's a whole set of risks on, you know, the integrity, the the uh, the the, the, where the data's come from, how it's been accessed, how it's been used, is it been used for the purpose it's been set for within the context of the relationship. So, you know, there's a whole set of complexity, which, <clears throat> you know, we see as one of the key inhibitors behind this kind of this trend of digital transformation and, you know, being much more collaborative and distributed as, a, as an enterprise. So what gospel uh, really does is it shifts uh, the, the dynamic and focus to the data, it moves away from just trusting, you know, securing the infrastructure, whether it be a firewall or whether it be a server or whether it be some transient component. What we do is we move the security right right down to the data level. Uh, so Gospel itself can be consumed as a cloud service or it can be deployed across these various businesses in a virtual or a cloud access kind of architecture. But essentially, what we build is a platform, a data platform that uh, that effectively connect the different applications through APIs uh, on each one of these uh, different business environments. Now, what that means is data can be uh, can be placed on the platform uh, in a highly secure encrypted format. It's being stored on a blockchain. On it, we use a underlying enterprise blockchain architecture underneath Gospel. And what that allows is is a very secure method of ensuring and guaranteeing the integrity and provenance of data, the identity of uh, the actors who are consuming and using and and reading and writing data from the system, Uh, but also it ensures trust because the IOs uh, and uniquely at Gospel, even for Read.io, we use uh, the underlying consensus mechanism, the blockchain technology itself, which we've obviously developed for the specific enterprise data, data use case. So what we what we now have, we've moved away from this speculative manual point-to-point <clears throat> kind of prescriptive bulk sharing to holding all of this structured data on a distributed platform, uh, which is totally secure, and to actually be able to access it, uh, you know, you need to first of all have all of your own internal enterprise, uh, you know, uh, multi-factor authentication systems, which Gospel natively integrates into, whether it be LDAP or you know Okta or these kind of modern, uh, <clears throat> you know, uh, biometric, uh, you know, uh, identity uh, technologies. And once you've passed that, you actually get onto a permissioned position on the Gospel platform. And even at that point, no data is actually consumable or usable, uh, but Effectively, the data owner and the consensus algorithm uh, through various different conditions can can allow access uh, or consumption of particular data in line with a whole set of conditions that are part of ensuring that that data transaction is totally valid. So it could be, for example, you know, whilst... Uh, you know, the, an open request for an engineer and data and a certain machine's location that's been set up through uh, various different uh, uh, authentication mechanisms, all of those points uh, between a certain time, time uh, frame, when all of those kind of uh, points align, the encryption keys allow that data to be consumed or viewed by the, uh, the target application and that data be used for whatever business purpose is needed. <clears throat> So, you know, but this is happening, you know, hundreds of transactions a second, all automated across the distributed gospel platform.
some proposed decentralized storage platforms like Filecoin, yeah. Filecoin, MadeSafe, you know, et cetera. Yeah. Uh, do you incorporate any of what they're purporting to do? You know, break up data into chunks, encrypt the pieces, store the pieces in a distributed way. You know, can you? It sounds like your solution is very different. It is. So we don't have a concept of any coin. Uh, you know, we're not. We're we're a. You know, my my and the team's experience are enterprise technology people. You know, we have people who've worked for some of the largest, you know, enterprise technology consumers and vendors on the planet. And kind of what we've identified is that, uh, you know, the need for distributed data is, uh, you know, totally uh, essential if businesses want to operate quickly and securely with trust, right? And we, we, we are born from the enterprise data problem. And that's not a new problem. That problem's been around since, you know, HTTP kind of started connected, you know, connecting centralized databases into, you know, the distributed internet, right? So this, so we, we're not purporting that this, this kind of new problems occurred. You know, this problem of trusted data and the provenance of data and the access and the, the speed of which that, ha- that can occur across a distributed network is a, is a, is a problem that's, you know, caused many, you know, tactical infrastructures and many kind of manual uh, engagements to kind of make things happen, right? But what what we've identified is whilst enterprises and, you know, uh, infrastructure people kind of totally get the elasticity of cloud and they totally get the need for these, you know, distributed architectures and the business cases of, you know, uh, multi-tenancy make sense. The trust in, you know, who's accessing the data, the, the integrity of the data, has the things been tampered, how do you avoid uh, bulk or data leakage, all these elements, they're totally valid inhibitors to these enterprise businesses moving forward. So we've, we've, we've taken a very elegant architecture of a you know enterprise blockchain derivative and applied it to that 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 data problem. Well, I guess what we haven't done is we've we haven't kind of started with this like blockchain and kind of looked for a problem to solve. You know, I've I've been building infrastructures all my career and the team have kind of been engineering and and and, and building and selling these infrastructures all their careers and we've we've kind of realised this problem exists and 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 finding that. That, that elegant distributed premise that blockchain has brought and is certainly started to mature in the last you know, 12, 24 months to, to bear against that problem is, is really where we are. We've started with the problem and we're kind of developing and developing the platform to give a solution to that. I think that you know, in terms of ICOs and coins and the, and the cryptocurrency application, it's really kind of not what we're doing as we speak. We're more interested in seeing the data on-chain as the actual asset itself. Yeah, no, I wasn't asking about the token aspect of it so much as the way that uh, these <clears throat> companies are thinking about storing data, breaking it up into pieces, encrypting it, putting the pieces on various different uh, computers in an encrypted form. Yeah, it no, no. Like you guys yeah, so using a permission blockchain, it's, it's a bit different. Correct. Yeah, no, so, so I guess, <clears throat> interesting. So, yeah, we don't kind of see that disaggregation uh, model of breaking into blocks and kind of highly distributed. I think for for us, what it is around is using the consensus mechanism for you know uh, uh, valid access and con- consumption of content, but also we've used the uh, the underlying uh, transaction syntax. Uh, as an ability to cleanse and classify data as we ingest it on chain. So there's a huge challenge. Uh, so no, so we haven't gone with that kind of uh, like granular effect. What we've gone with is a a 
you know, essentially using the, you know, the underlying ledger as an ability to create a common transaction syntax that's encrypted and totally secure. Uh, you know, we've built our own, you know, certificate authority and these kind of elements to give us, you know, total assured security around the data. But, you know, the, the actual uh, ledger we're using, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, storing those transactions uh, for performance, uh, for access, for performance on, on search. And, you know, we've kind of built some unique things around balancing security and search against, you know, encryption. We've built contextual access, so you don't even need to expose your underlying data. We've actually built distributed data logic around content that allows, rather than, for example, if you're looking at doing a valid transaction, say you wanted to do something where you had to expose your age, uh, rather than actually expose your birth date, uh, somebody could query gospel, contextual search against, are you over 21 years old, uh, to get a valid transaction, and then you could achieve consensus across the nodes in the gospel uh, permissioned uh, environment. So, yeah, no, we haven't chosen to you know, disaggregate data as such. We just, but we've chosen to use our technology to cleanse and create a provenance of data within the gospel platform that, yeah, you'd need permission to access. What about <clears throat> transaction speed and capacity? You know, everyone seems to be um, running into a wall very quickly. That they can't yeah. do a lot, you know, many transactions a second. How come you guys can? Well, I think that you know the uh, bear in mind, not all blockchains are the same, right? And uh, you know, if you look at the Hyperledger platform that we've built built off, you know, there are elements of uh, you know world state that's held in you know a traditional you know more of relational data structure or NoSQL data structure. There's various different states in which the data is held in that we can leverage in different phases of that data life cycle. Uh, what I'd say is that we've spent a lot of our initial investment time in ensuring the, 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 the gospel platform can perform when it comes to the type of IO that we need. So say if we're up to, you know, two, three, four, five hundred 500 transactions a second, that's completely in line with what our platform can achieve, uh, you know, across, you know, the kind of data use cases that we're doing, uh, you know, and, you know, there's always going to be a place for relational databases and, you know, some millisecond transactions aren't what we're looking to address. You know, they usually occur in very tight, secure, controlled, you know, environments that are in memory and by their nature quite centralized. So, you know, the nature of the type of IO that we're addressing is distributed. And, uh, you know, you know, we are focused on those use cases that sit within that uh, you know, performance capabilities that we would uh, we were currently aligned to. <clears throat> Do you see any barriers to transaction speed? Oh, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I would. Uh, yeah, know, that, we, would, that would that wouldn't be satisfying for enterprise. That would. Interestingly, that what what we would say is that you know we have we cut a block every four seconds, right, on our you know gospel uh, deployment. So to a certain extent, you know, based on. <clears throat> you know, objects and transactions, our system under load actually gets faster because we start cutting blocks quicker as we fill each block, right, which is obviously, you know, pretty standard. But we don't have a, you know, hard multi-minute return on any I.O. You know, it's, it's sub four seconds, four seconds of worst scenario. Under load, it gets faster because we're cutting blocks quicker, right? Now, uh, the, you know, the, the upper ceiling of that, you know, is going to be, an interesting place to find, but under the, you know, the type of workloads that we've uh, tested against and we're actually in production against, uh, we're uh, well within our capabilities. 
And obviously, by the nature That's of distribution, great. there is, you know, there can be latency, there can be access requirements. The actual, if you think about the total, you know, transaction, the actual any type of underlying, the I/O latency is a very small percentage of that, the type of transaction that we're dealing with. Well, it sounds like you solved a lot of problems out there that are plaguing uh, <clears throat> most, you know, permissionless public blockchains for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, the obviously the removal of any type of proof of work, uh, you know, and the Hyperledger, I think, you know, initiative has kind of done that well. You know, you move into a consensus-based uh, model, but you know, there's I've got some very clever guys on the team, like Ruben Thompson and and uh, Nick Mellis. These guys have been, you know, involved in this kind of, you know. Uh, IO and, and kind of data transactions a lot of the careers so we're bringing to bear a lot of what we've learned over the last kind of 20 years what do you call gospel tech are you guys preaching the hyperledger gospel or where the <laughs> no we, i think <laughs> i think we've actually you know hyperledger we're kind of hyperledger was the thing that got us going uh but you know we've realized we've had to build a lot in our application uh and you know we, we've moved away somewhat from uh you know the core hyperledger and uh, but gospel, you know, is really, it's really about the truth. And I think that, you know, if, if an enterprise or a business has the ability to create uh, a, uh, a known truth across their data and across the identity and the data they consume from other businesses, that truth uh, creates trust and speed. And I think that all businesses are going to differentiate and become successful based on the ability to, uh, you know, to operate at speed in this, you know, kind of cloud-native digital digital era. And and speed is really what we're looking to achieve, not in terms of, you know, how many hundred thousand IOPS per second can you achieve in, a, you know, a, you know, a memory-optimized data structure. It, it's more about, you know, how do you remove the latency of, you know, humans or people or systems within, you know, you know, you know, you know between the business processes, between the, uh, you know, between the applications and the machines and the systems that are actually building building your business, and and that's where real business latency is, and and I guess that's what we're trying to achieve, and that's what we've you know achieved very effectively in some of our clients. You know, one, one example I would say is that you know we've worked a lot in uh, you know automating you know the procurement cycles and and of of kind of distributed devices. So traditionally, you know, if a uh, a motor or a you know a component fails in a a machine you know that usually would have to kind of fail and then once failure had occurred there'd be some sort of downtime and then an engineer would go and kind of look at the part that order a new part power would come in maybe there's a spare that would be replaced that's a kind of manual slow process to ensure availability of that platform of that manufacturing system what gospel does is through apis it natively connect through an IoT uh, platform to that machine. So Gospel is actually starting to have a provenance of operation of the machine, of the part. Even before the part fails, a request from the IoT platform going to Gospel, Gospel in real time can do price matching, ordering, automated supply chain, and delivery of that component, actually meshing together a number of different procurement systems in the vendor, in the supplier, in the distributor, in the, uh, uh, the delivery uh, system, and all of those elements are engaging on that workflow, ensuring that everybody is operating within a trusted bubble, uh, and that part is delivered before the existing one even fails. 
So gospel starts to become this common platform where data can operate and be consumed in a trusted way, rapidly accelerating that business process, removing any potential data leakage and removing any human error, uh, or indeed any you know human error that may be forced because of a, a hack or an attempt to leak or, or breach. So it's it's you know think about business latency. Uh, gospel rap massively reduces <clears throat> along with risk. Very good. <clears throat> what's on your roadmap for the next six months or a year? What's coming that's new? Yeah, look, I, I think that, you know, the this space is uh, rapidly developing. Uh, our, you know, roadmap is, uh, you know, out for the next kind of 12, 12 months. We have our 2.0 platform in production at the moment. Uh, you know, 2.5, which will kind of be released in you know, the next few months really starting to bring a much more robust security and encryption capability, uh, as well as <clears throat> uh, much better interaction in, uh, within existing enterprise data structures. So what we kind of uh, focused on in these early days is rather than trying to build, you know, a new silo, a new island, uh, uh, just because it's based on blockchain, you know, just we don't want to rep replicate kind of the existing data silos. We're focused on uh, the ability to natively interact with existing enterprise uh, security and data structures. So we've done a whole load of work on uh, interacting in source data types like traditional databases, uh, you know, like maybe Oracle or SAP structures, anything kind of, you know, uh, ODBC and these kind of like source data structures, whether they be, you know, uh, CSV files or unstructured data, uh, we have the ability with our ledger bridge technology to rapidly bulk ingest and cleanse that content onto gospel. So, you know, one of our early value propositions the client sees as they deploy gospel, they can kind of clean up and uh, bring data onto the platform in a format that makes it eligible for you know, uh, valid transactions, removing duplicates and cleansing that content. So a lot of the, the work we've done and we've focused on is that, you know, elegant and native interaction with those existing enterprise uh, technologies that are kind of trusted and used on a daily basis. Second thing, I think on our immediate roadmap, which is huge, is really around a lot of uh, changing legislation. We've seen a huge amount of kind of government and regulatory attempt to kind of get control over you know, some of these new models for business. So open banking is a kind of an example where, you know, your financial organization needs to be able to share your data and to do that, it requires consent. And then we've got regulations such as uh, this general data protection regulation coming in Europe and it's all around, you know, the control of your personal data, where it sits, the right to be forgotten, consent again. And, you know, what we're really focused on in the next six months is delivering, you know, enterprise grade <clears throat> Uh, technology that allows very clear uh, and uh, consent and control over how that data is shared and used and how you can withdraw consent and actually then create that uh, removal of that data from any existing systems it was in or, or existing systems that are actually viewing it. So I think that, you know, very clearly over the next three to six months, <clears throat> we'll be bringing a whole load of more of that native enterprise uh, connectivity and, you know, a lot of uh, compliance and, and regulatory technology and capabilities, uh, given a much, much, much uh, more secure and trusted uh, control over consent and data access. Yeah, last question. Do you, do you think that um, the companies that are working with opened permissionless blockchains have anything to learn by talking to you and, you know, looking at your technology? It sounds like it, well, but uh, I don't know I, if they would do that. 
Listen, I, th- I think that the, the, you know, you get into <clears throat> some very passionate views, which is fantastic. And I think it takes passion to drive this kind of industry forward. And I totally see the value in both, you know, unpermissioned distributed structures to, you know, create, <clears throat> you know, these highly distributed kind of models. Uh, but I personally also see a need within smaller groups internal to business, you know, across multiple businesses, uh, between different business units in a manufacturing process or different units within, a, say, a military organization. I see the need for a permissioned environment where you don't need the really uh, uh, energy inefficient processing and the <clears throat> highly inefficient uh, infrastructure to to generate trust. We, I believe there's already within business a whole set of multi-factor capabilities to guarantee and authenticate the actor. But I do believe that that doesn't go far enough to the actual point in where the data needs to be secured and accessed in the distributed model. So we believe this the application of blockchain uh, architecture into an existing permissioned environment just cr- it creates a increased data security capability that allows businesses and, and these permissioned kind of structures, whether it be a business relationship or a client business relationship or you know multiple businesses operating on a single collaborative program, that still uh, you know is, it becomes much more efficient uh, using gospel. Now, whether people think the whole concept of the permission blockchain is you know totally against the uh, you know philosophy of you know the underlying technology well then okay i kind of i respect that opinion but you know i see what we're doing as a need to control access and remove some of that inefficiency and that that infrastructure inefficiency to kind of get work done it very much depends on the on the use case of the technology well very good so uh what's the best way for interested parties to contact you, you know, email phone etc website yeah i think you know we're we're on the uh on the web gospel.tech we're uh <clears throat> You know, we're we're a UK-based uh, software company. You know, plenty of uh, ways to contact us. I would suggest our general email address: step dot forward at gospel dot tech is a, a good way. Uh, and you know, we look forward to kind of engaging in discussion and and talking about what we're doing in production with our customers. Right. Well, very good, Ian. Well, thanks for coming on. And uh, I see a lot more of the merits now of the hyperledger protocol and similar ones than I did before. So thanks for the explanation. No, you're very welcome. I think what what I would say is we're all learning and there's all a lot to learn. It's an extremely exciting space and we're very proud and excited to be a part of it and uh, pushing it forward. So thank you for the opportunity to talk. The Bitcoin, Ethereum and Blockchain Super Conference is coming to Dallas, Texas, February 16, 17 and 18 in 2018. If you know of a better way to get the latest insider knowledge about crypto, to hear directly from the top minds in this field, to interact personally with 800 fellow crypto lovers, hodlers, investors, miners, traders, developers, and founders, then I'd like to hear about it. If you don't, then you don't want to miss out. Register today for the Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference. Go to BitcoinSuperConference.com and register today as a super early bird to get the lowest rates on tickets and hotel rooms. That's BitcoinSuperConference.com. You have been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post a review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse. 
such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.